Dude, first of all, like, hold up now. You can talk about my prediction, but like, these are classics that like, you can't insult Stan Smith. They go with everything. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. It is currently 1.05 a.m. on Friday morning. Tim Bontemps and I are in Miami. Hello, Tim. Hello, Brian and Tim. We just shared an Uber back from um, FTX Arena, um, properly masked in the Uber. Uh, can't be too careful around the, uh, <laughs> the Celtics these days. Uh, joining us from San Francisco, where he's covering the Western Conference Finals, is Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners. The, uh, the night's still young out here. He's nice and relaxed. He had an off night. No problems for him. Problems Turn around Turn around will be fair play next week. No problems for the Celtics tonight either, brother. Nope. Well, there was a few problems early. Um, they uh, the Celtics get an easy win tonight. I don't even remember what the final score was. They won by 20, but it's 127 a lot to not enough. 127, yeah. 102. There you go. Um, so this podcast is actually broken in half. Um, the second half of it, uh, we recorded earlier today. We'll talk about some other topics, including the West Finals, but we stayed up uh late to do this one after uh we covered the game uh Bontemps and i were in the uh jason tatum press conference what about a half hour ago because jason comes out very late after games um but al horford was cleared to play today um after being ruled out for being in the health and safety protocols and it was a strange one because um the rules apparently for returning to play changed uh two and a half weeks ago with a memo that was sent to teams. And it was a big, long, giant memo that went over all kinds of different procedures, like all of these memos do. And this is this procedure, and that is this procedure. Return to play and symptomatic and this and that. Very, very um, difficult to get through. And then... Thorough on, is the word for it. Thorough. Okay, right. And then on the third page of this memo, it says, yeah, and if you return two negative PCR tests on a day of the game, you're fine. And it was like, oh, okay. And Al Horford did, and he played, and he wasn't a huge difference maker, but having him gave the Celtics a completely different alignment option. Marcus Smart came back from a sprained foot where, you know, it sounded like he might still be laboring on it a little bit based on what Ime Udoka was saying. That was not the case. He was awesome. And Bontemps, the Boston Celtics do what they have done for the second half of the season, and that is bounce back after losses. They have now done it four times in about the last 12 days, losing a playoff game to fall down the series and come back and win. And Marcus Smart was a big reason why. Yeah, Marcus Smart was the difference all the way around. There were two differences in the game. The first was Marcus Smart. You went through it there before. Everybody talks about Marcus's defense, and obviously one defensive player of the year prides himself on being an elite defensive guard. But Marcus Smart has spent years begging people to let him be the point guard of the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. They had Kyrie Irving, they had Kemba Walker, they had Isaiah Thomas. Throughout his career, they've had point guard after point guard after point guard on this team. And the whole time, Marcus Smart, who is known to make his opinion known, has said a lot of times, I am a point guard. Let me be a point guard. And you go to game one where the Celtics controlled the game for 36 minutes. And in the 12 minutes, they lost the game in the third quarter where they got outscored 39 to 14. They had eight turnovers. Jason Tatum had six of them. And three of them were three of the worst ones I've ever seen anybody have. 
Marcus Smart tonight, 12 assists, one turnover, completely controlled the game on the offensive end. And Jimmy Butler, after getting 18 free throw attempts in game one, got eight in game two. He gets eight free throw attempts every game, even when he shoots the ball well like he did tonight. The Celtics are going to win games in the series. And then the other thing, to your point about Al Horford, Horford and Robert Williams start the game together. They start with their traditional starting lineup, which has dominated all season, really struggled. They go to Grant Williams five minutes into the, with five minutes to go in the first quarter. They outscore the, the Heat 57 to 27 the, re, the rest of the first half. Grant never came off the court. And when they had one of those centers out there with four perimeter players around them, even with Derek White unavailable tonight, the Celtics, the Heat had absolutely no answers for the Celtics at either end of the court. And they look like the dominant team in the series. Derek White uh, was away from the team because he uh, was having a birth. Uh, uh, I think it was a son. I think I heard it was correct. Yeah, a son. A son. A son. So He'll be back congrats to him. But, but that was, it was like, that's the Celtics only had really seven guys. Um, McMahon, uh, I have to say, uh, I, w- I thought the Celtics would play well tonight. I, I really felt that they would have a great chance once I found out that both those guys were playing. Mm-hmm. Um and Jimmy Butler, if I had told you before the game that Butler would have gone 11 of 19, which he did, and scored 29 points, I would have thought this would have come right down to it. But the Heat just couldn't handle that small lineup. And as Bontemps said, Grant Williams was plus 30 in the first half. Plus 30. He, he, he's having a pretty good little run here. And, you know, the Celtics, I mean, they shot the hell out of the ball tonight. But you know what? They've done that a lot. When when they're able to uh, play those lineups and the ball gets hopping around, they've got legitimate shot makers. And and I think I I think this is the third time during this postseason they've hit twenty plus threes. Um, you know when a team hits twenty plus threes and they are the best defensive team in the league, that's a pretty good recipe uh, for winning. Um, and then, you know, with with Horford back, with with Smart back, they can get back to being a really switchy defense. They can kind of make Miami play in the mud. And you know, our ESPN stats and info folks uh, said that Smart ended thirty seven possessions on Jimmy, and Jimmy only got up five shots in those possessions. So you know, Butler still did some damage. But, uh, you know, having Marcus Smart, whether you want to say he should have been defense player of the year or not, he's, he's you know, absolutely one of the all-time uh, great defensive perimeter players, you know, obviously of, of this generation in particular. And it's, it's not going to be a situation where Jimmy can just flat-out dominate a game when, when Marcus Smart's on the other side. People are going to focus on the way Boston shot in this game. They obviously shot the lights out. I think uh, our guy Stats Williams sent me in sad. I think they were 23 points above their effective field goal percentage in this game. That's going to happen when you hit half your threes. But this game wasn't about Boston's offense. The Heat cannot score on this team when they play small. They just can't. When Jimmy Butler has Marcus Smart on him, like you said, McMahon, if he's not getting 15, 16, 17 foul shots a game, the Celtics will live with him shooting 18 times and taking three threes, right? Yeah. And if you go through this Heat roster, with no Kyle Lowry, which is a huge loss for them. They went 10 for 34 from three, and Gabe Vincent went four for eight. He's probably not going to go four for eight on a regular basis. And when the Gabe Celtics play small, been really good these first two games. My God. He's been he's been really good. He's been a good he's been a really nice find for them. And frankly, when Kyle was playing in the last series, he really struggled, right? I mean, they played better with Gabe Vincent out there because Kyle's obviously playing with this hamstring injury and was really limited. But they the the Heat's perimeter players around Jimmy Butler are supporting players, right? They need to get set up 
for open shots. And when you can guard Jimmy one-on-one and you can stay in Max Struess and PJ Tucker, who obviously who left the game with a knee injury, we'll see what his status is going forward. That would obviously yeah, that, be a loss. That's but one thing they, I will say. Yeah, the but heat. when they have to stay on those guys, the Celtics, when the Celtics can stay on those guys and guard Jimmy one-on-one, I just don't think Miami's going to be able to score on these guys going forward. The other thing that the Celtics did was they realized when they defended Butler in game one that they defended him a little bit too tightly. And yep. uh, since he's not going to take threes anyway, if you back off mm-hmm. him a little bit, you're, you're, you know, the math gets better, even if you're willing to let him give to take an 18 or 20 footer, as opposed to letting him get so close to you that he can control and get a foul. Um, but a big factor is I look at this for the heat. Now, PJ Tucker reportedly is going to get an MRI tomorrow. I, you know, sometimes you have MRIs to make sure nothing bad has happened. Sometimes you have MRIs mm-hmm. to confirm that bad stuff has happened. I don't know right. which it is. Maybe by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be more clear. On the positive side, weird. Marcus Smart had one a couple of days ago, and it was fine. Yeah. Right. Uh, Robert Williams had one last round for yep. like a, maybe it was like eight or seven or eight days ago for the for the Celtics. It's yep. it's not necessarily a bad sign, but it, it's disconcerting. And Kyle Lowry doesn't look like he's anywhere close. I mean, I shouldn't say like anywhere close, but like he, I don't think Game Three is in the offing. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but based on seeing him work out a little bit and what they're saying he's doing. I don't think he's close. So these are the two big guys they brought in. Um, I guess Oladipo kind of qualifies for that. Um, but Oladipo is really a role player. I mean, PJ Tucker and, and, and Kyle Lowry are core players. And part of what you have Kyle Lowry for is to, is to, you know, create half court offense. Like you're talking about Bon Temps that they're having trouble creating. Listen, so really you're talking about, you're talking about PJ Tucker's MRI. What about Bam Adebayo's MIA? Yeah, like this, you know, you gave him an All NBA vote, and I mean, he's, I did. He's look, I, and and I'm not saying that How dare was you bring a, it up tonight. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying, and and he's that type of impact player. He he was all during the regular season, and, and we've seen him be that type of impact player in the playoffs. We have not seen it in these playoffs though, and you better see it in this series. Yeah, Jimmy. Bam, Bam has a long history with Grant Williams going back to high school. They play, grow up in North Carolina. They played against each other a lot. And Grant, to me, seems in Bam's head. I mean, when Bam has been on him early in the game, Grant got switched onto him. He forced up this uh, fadeaway jumper that missed. And really outside that third quarter, when Bam had those two spectacular blocks in game one, he's been invisible these first mm-hmm. two games. Like, to your point, Tim, they have no shot in this series if he's not playing a hell of a lot better in these games in Boston. Well, and look, and... and- Two years ago, I know it's a lot of differences between now and two years ago, but two years ago, Bam Adebayo was the, I mean, Hero had sort of a breakout game or two, but Bam Adebayo was the driving force. He demolished the Celtics in the paint in that series. Demolished. And, and, and when he got hurt, that's when the Heat had no shot uh, yep. You know, in, in the finals. Yeah. So I mentioned this a minute ago about the Celtics uh, resiliency. Dating back to January, uh, mid-January, I think there's a date in January. I think it's the 22nd. I can't remember where they drew the line. But basically, the last 11 times the Heat have, or the Celtics have lost, they've gone 10-1 and one the next game. And the, and the loss was the game in Toronto where they didn't send their starters there for reasons that have remained undisclosed. Um, but they didn't they, – they sort of – they spiked that game. And, um, and so – uh, they basically have not been beatable uh, since January uh, after they've lost. And it has now happened repeatedly in the postseason. They have been down four times in, in the last two series. They were down 1-0, 2-1, to the Bucks, won all of them back, down 1-0 to the Heat, won it back. Uh, of those four bounce-back wins in the last two series, 
Three of them have been on the road. Okay. They are extremely resilient. And I, and I, you know, you look at their guys um, and they generally, you know, Marcus Smart's an emotional player and Grant Williams can be an emotional player, but both of them are very confident. If you look at their team, they have a, they have a very even keeled roster and they have a very even keeled coach. And Udoka has sort of this quiet confidence. I remember the morning of game six where I thought it was curtains for the Celtics because the Bucs, Giannis was playing great. And the Bucs are great in closeout games. Um, he was like really confident that they were going to do fine in that game. And not, you know, not just a rah-rah, like we're going to be fine. Like he, he, I went, in fact, tonight during the second half when I was bored of the game, I went back and listened to his press conference that he gave the morning of game six when he talked about like, there were some things that we saw that we think we can take care of. And, you know, our guys are really confident and he's saying the same things before this game too. And like, I think they believe him. And I think the personality of their roster is one that, you know, Al Horford, I mean, he's a, he's a flat line. He, he's, you know, his, his out, his emotional, you know, everything with him, it's the same. It's all the same. And you know, Jalen and, and Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, like uh, Tatum's demeanor was the same when he went three of 19 in game three against the Bucks and was awful as it was when he scored 46. Now, maybe he went back into the play, into the locker room and beat his chest. I wasn't in there to see that, but his demeanor on the court and his confidence level was the exact same. So this Celtics team is wired. I think to be resilient and we've seen it. And I, I wouldn't recommend continuing to go down and down and down um, over and over in a series, but I, you know, Bontemps, you were around them all year. Um, you know, and you know, it's been said a million times, this team was 16 and 19. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they are a, you know, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily would say it's like a championship mentality because a championship mentality doesn't get in those situations as much, but I've been very impressed. My, my, uh, what is it now? Like 20 days with the Celtics here. I'm going to push back a little bit on how you describe Ime because he's not a loud guy, but he is the reason this team has a backbone. And that's not a criticism of Brad Stevens as a coach. He's a great coach, but this team last year was a flat line team across the board. And Ime came in and from day one was willing to challenge every guy on the roster from Jason Tatum down to the end of the bench. And he would come into press conferences and he would say, these guys weren't good enough. They didn't do what we need to do. They have to be better. There were a lot of people saying to me, media people, all sorts of people, mm-hmm. this guy's going to be a one and done coach. He's going to get fired. What is he doing? Why is he yelling at these players? And he believed that he had a plan to get this team where he wanted to go. I didn't see it. Most other people watching the team didn't see it. I don't think the Celtics necessarily saw it. But you go back to late January when this team started to turn it around. They jettisoned Dennis Schroeder. Well, by the way, Peyton Pritchard is just a far better player than Dennis Schroeder. Uh, boy, He's is that just a true fit. statement? He's a that far better player and a far true. better fit. Peyton Pritchard has hit six threes in these two games. He is adequate defensively. He's a really solid well, he, role player. And he, he doesn't depending the on the matchup. By the way, well, Peyton if he's Pritchard, playing Jimmy Butler, yeah, that's no, not going to go well. Peyton Pritchard got eaten up uh, because of just how many minutes he had to play in game one. Peyton Pritchard was plus 39 yep. in game two. Best he was on the great. Team. He was great. And they, they get rid of Josh Richardson. They get rid of Dennis Schroeder. They bring in Derek White. They bring in Peyton Pritchard to play. And they give Grant Williams more minutes. And that group 
since those eight guys have been together, this team has been the best team in the league, not just by a little bit, but by a country mile. They have dominated the league since then. Best in the East by a country mile. No, they were the best team in the league, Tim. The final, they, they had a, they were miles ahead in point differential over their final okay, 35 games. Point differential. I thought you were, but I, I was going to say, and we've talked about this before. There's it's, they're just so similar. Adoka, Jason Kidd, slow start yep. doubts about the hire early yep. on, you know, some, some trades that weren't necessarily, you know, in the Maverick sense, it was a splashy trade in, in the other sense that people, Oh, Hey, they gave up on KP as a co-star back to square one, but yep. you know, trades that were, were not splashy in terms of the addition, but about getting better fits and then just getting a full buy-in. And, and again, you know, it's, I just, I, I, and I, I even think the demeanor of, of kid and Udoka, and obviously, you know, th- their backgrounds are different, but I just see so many similarities between those coaches, the phenomenal jobs that they've done this year, and 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 those two teams right back, you know, right to the point of being able to bounce back. The Mavs PR staff gave me a crazy stat today, um, and this ain't necessarily a great strategy, but the last 10 times or 10 times a season, they've gotten blown out by 20 plus 10 and 0 in the next game, including twice in the last playoff series. Again, yep. I'm not saying they've got the Warriors right where they want them, but uh, it's just uh, that does point to resilience and kind of that unshakable confidence that the Mavericks had developed and, and clearly that the, that uh, the Celtics have developed this year. Well, and to your point about Ime and Jason Kidd, look at the way they've handled their stars. Right. Jason mm-hmm. Kidd has come in him. and has challenged him. Look at what he did after game two in that Phoenix series. Right. I think it was game two. Right. It wasn't game one. It was game two when he got game two. torch on deep. Right. Yeah. He, he gets and, torched and, and, on defense. Yeah. And it's not all the time. It's not all the time. But he challenged he, more behind the scenes with the conditioning early on. He never publicly did it, but it got out publicly. And, I, and Jay Kidd, I do not believe, was disappointed in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, but he also he challenged him, you know, and he put it a little more mildly than this, but basically stop whining and crying to refs instead of running back on defense. And then, which is also a Jason Tatum issue. Yeah. And then he challenged him uh, and, and he has, you know, the participating defense thing, it got a lot of attention when he said it before game three, the sun series because of the stage, but that, that participate has kind of been a buzzword with Luke all year, the challenge for him to look, you're not going to be a defensive stopper, but you got to participate on that. end. whereas Tatum, I mean, Tatum is legitimately an awesome defensive player, but you know, as, as, as your point now, bond temps, like, Hey, if you can challenge your superstars and you can, you can do it in film sessions and then pick your spots, to do it publicly you damn sure can challenge everybody else on that roster. And when you get the buy-in from them and they recognize, hey, this dude's not doing it for show. He's doing yep. it because he's pushing me to be a championship-level player. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's an impressive thing. And, it, and it's, it you know, makes you feel like with both of those teams, like, dude, whether they are able to get to the finals this year or not, like, I think both those teams with those young, not just superstars, young MVP candidates, uh could have some pretty serious staying power. When you talk about that transition from the film room to the, to the media session or whatever, I've talked to Ime about that. And, you know, I, I said to him after I did an st- interview with him for the story I wrote a couple of weeks ago on their turnaround, you know, I said, look, you know, you've 
you've been pretty consistent all year in the way you've come in and just said what you were going to say. And as a media person, I appreciate it. And he mm-hmm. says, he said, he said to me, look, anything I've said to you guys, I said to those guys to their faces. So when everybody was freaking out yeah. about what was being said, it right. wasn't like they were surprised. They knew exactly what was coming because I said it to them already. And that, to your point, that consistency and message across the board, that was, you know, it's to go back to the Spurs thing. It was kind of the pound in the rock thing. Right. And mm-hmm. I certainly didn't see the rock breaking for a lot of the season. I thought this team was headed to maybe not making the play in tournament for a while. And they have had yeah. an absolutely probably the craziest turnaround I've ever seen. And they, to me, are the team to beat the rest of the way here. Well, and even, and even by, uh, yeah, it, even it, by pounding the rock standards, this is uh, pretty it's no, remarkable. Remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, I mean, remember when Marcus Smart called out Tatum, called out Brown? I forgot who they lost to early in the season. Basically, they, they, they had a fourth quarter against the Chicago Bulls where I go. think they made two shots. And, you know, I even joked with Emi about that when I did that story. He said, look, Marcus came in and yelled at those guys. And the truth was they blitzed Jason every time and he threw the ball to somebody else. But so it wasn't actually even true that he was, you know, not passing the ball in that game. But. Again, these guys have been together for years now. Marcus mm-hmm. Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They're not old, but they're old NBA players in terms of experience. They've they're been in the conference finals, right. been in the conference finals several times, been in deep playoff runs several times. They they're comfortable in these situations and they have supreme confidence now. And like like you guys, but like you said, Brian, you just you've seen over the past few months, this team just has had a different energy about it. And it's allowed them to persevere and all these situations down three, two to the bucks, bouncing back every time Giannis would give them a haymaker after game one, without their guys playing, they bounce back and play well today. It's just been, it's been crazy to see how much they've been able to turn the things. around. I will say though, you mentioned Bon temps about how it was, it was a good shooting night. Let me tell you how good of a shooting night it was just historically um, stats Williams with this one, uh, the Celtics Celtic shot 50% from the field, 50% on three pointers and 90% on free throws, okay? 50, 50, 90. Not even the old 50, 40, 90, which yeah. considered the golden triangle. Um, it was the first time they'd done that in a playoff game since 1987. <laughs> uh, 1987, that's... Uh, yeah, and that 50 uh, from three was probably like one or two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not far off. Uh, tonight they were. Tonight they had 43 pointers in 1987. You, you haven't seen this, McMahon. You want to guess how many they took with Bird and yeah, McHale? I, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm guessing it's single digits. I'm going to guess four. Yeah, six. 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 Right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it's just like the, it's so funny. It is so funny. Like when you watch those great Celtics teams from the 80s, those great Lakers teams from the 80s. You know, these teams that were awesome offensive teams. And guys were spotted up at 18 feet. And yep. you just want, like, what, what, you know, the, the, the game is just, uh, it's amazing how much the game is so much different. So it was, so it was a, you know, and I mean, if you're the heat, you're saying, well, they're not shooting like that again. And uh, if you're the Celtics, you're saying, Psh, <laughs> you you want to bet we've done it. We yeah, might want to check the tape again of uh, the last series. Here's what I'm saying. The Celtics have lost one quarter through two games and they have been by far the better team. And to me, I don't see how the heat come back in this series unless something pretty dramatic changes, whether that's an injury, whether that's Kyle coming back. Cause I just think it's the Celtics do the same things. The heat do, they just do them better. And I just don't see again, how these heat perimeter players, Max Struess, Oladipo, Tyler hero has struggled all year against the Celtics. Oh, it's a terrible matchup for him. This is Wendy's podcast. You can't be talking well, like that. Well, it's, Listen, it's, it's just a hard, my it's a hard comments about Tyler hero have come true. 
That's all I have to say. I'm just surprised Wendy has sleeves on tonight. <laughs> right, hey, I guarantee like this. If the heat, if the heat would have won, he'd be sleeveless. <laughs> all right. Two things I want to say more from Stats Williams before we wrap this up. I got a 6 a.m. flight. Uh, Does that Marcus, count as one? <laughs> Marcus Smart. Two Marcus Smart stats to illustrate how excellent he was. First Celtics player with 20 points, 10 assists, and three steals in a playoff game since? Larry Bird. I saw this. I'm not going to say it. Well, right. hell. So your favorite player. It's it's McMahon's favorite player. That's his. Oh, right. I, I enjoyed, Rondo. I enjoyed Rondo. my experience with Rondo much more than Rick Carlisle did. <laughs> Rondo in 2012. And then, you know, um, Bontemps mentioned that uh, Smart had 12 assists tonight, uh, 12 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. He had he threw 15 passes that set up shots, so 15 assist attempts, and they made 12 of them. <laughs> and you six know, of it, six it, of the assists were for threes. I I do think it's funny, like people, oh, there were 12. Like, okay, so he set them up, but that's still a that to me is much more of a shot making stat than a passing stat. That's true. Uh, it, it it's just more to illustrate the way it is. I mean, um. Jason Tatum was four of six on contested three pointers because, you know, there are just some game, you know, Tatum shoots a lot of contested when, when, when Tatum gets cooked and forget it. Like, I, agree. And, and I mean, he's, listen, he's so good because he can, he can like, he's like hardened back in the day, except for six, eight in the sense that he can move any direction with his step back side to side, get those threes off. And when he's in a groove, he feels taller than six, eight to me. Well, I, I mean, he's he's big. And the other thing, too, is like I know Tatum shot four for six on contested threes. But to me, there's different kinds of contested threes. And a lot of these shots for the heat in this game or for the Celtics were catch and shoot shots where there was like a guy coming at him. But they had time to set and gather and shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it, it's not like these were impossible fall away, like crazy shots like they were getting rhythm jumpers the whole game and just working yeah, their offense and, and they're and contested no by guys who can't get up you know okay cool you know uh i don't know name name a name a right. heat Max they're not getting up in, yeah right. they're not getting up and blocking tatum right. shot no no you know or Jaylen, so sure or contested, but it's not like he well, sees them jimmy right. butler did get up and block tatum shot in game one but it was jimmy's an, you know. jimmy's an exception to a lot of rules <laughs> that's true <laughs> ass bolster yeah. and he deserves yeah, a ton true. of credit too like look couple years ago you look at where james harden was you look at where jimmy butler was you would not have guessed where they're at right now and jimmy what however the series goes jimmy deserves an immense amount of credit for the way he's worked on his body and maximize every ounce mm-hmm. of what he can give because he has been maybe the best player in the playoffs short of Giannis in these playoffs he's been unbelievable and he's the only reason i think that he'd have a chance to make this a competitive series yeah they're gonna need jimmy Butler. i mean jimmy butler was excellent in game two I don't know if they can afford excellent. Um, <laughs> no, he has to uh, dominate. We saw that. Yeah, yeah, especially with with Lowry, not a factor. I, I, it's I don't just know. Such if they a can. killer for Miami. It's just such a killer thing. It, he he would unlock a lot of the stuff that they're not able to do. And you know, they're showing him on TV a lot on the bench, and you, know, you can see it in his face. Mm-hmm. You can see it in his face. So Kyle's, right, well, Kyle's here, been through a lot of playoffs. He he came to Miami to play in these games. Right. And, you know he can't. Stinks. He's had a tough year. He's had a tough season on a lot of fronts. So, yeah. All right. Here comes the second half of the podcast. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it. Life is busy between work and family. 
and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times, so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. and Don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on Supercuts.com. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. But now it's time for trivia. That means you, Tim Bontemps. Trivia is brought to you by CarMax on the lot or on the web. CarMax is where you go for a new car, newer used car. Hey, uh, Bontemps, what do you got? Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. Uh, so in doing a story this week on uh, the, uh, the lead into the Eastern Conference Finals on the Many times the Heat and Celtics have played over the years and have been staples in the conference finals. Uh, they are the two teams that have been in the conference finals the most times since 2005. The Heat have been there eight times. The Celtics have been there seven. Uh, what other teams have been in the conference finals over that 18-year stretch? Easter conference finals. Totally. Oh, number of teams. Which teams? You could guess the total, but I figured to just go through the teams. Wait a minute. The number of teams, the, the years, we have to guess the years too? I was just having you guess the teams. If you want to also guess the years too, you can. So from 2005 to 2022, the Eastern yep. Conference finalists. Yep. All right. Detroit Pistons. So you said Boston Celtics and Miami Heat, obviously. Yeah, yep. Cleveland Cavaliers. The Detroit Pistons made it in five, six, and seven. The Cavs made it, I believe, five different times. Six, actually. Orlando Magic Six different made it. times. That's right. The Orlando Magic. Easily, easily uh, forgotten, but... Yep. The Magic made it twice, actually. Yep. In 2009 um, and 10. Right. Uh, let's see. The Raptors won it. Yes. The Raptors made it several times. Twice, Obviously, the Bucks Twice. Bucks have made it twice. The Indiana Pacers made it several times. Twice. I uh, don't think. Are we, how many have we said that? We, how many do we have left? There's two left. Did we say Bulls? The Bulls made it. 2011. It's one other team. 4-1. It's, it's not the Sixers, right? 
It is not the no. Sixers. They have not made it since 2001. Not the Nets. It's not the Wizards. Hawks. The Hawks. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Okay. Very they have good. made it twice. Twice. Well, that one. So. That's yeah, right. Made they, it last year, and they made it in 2016. I forgot yeah, about the, last the, year. Well, last year's the one I remembered. I forgot about the old Bud Hawks. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. So it is now. We've morphed. We've morphed into the past. We're always in the past, I suppose. But um, the the folks who talked to you um, a few a few minutes ago were older, wiser, more intelligent. We are dumber, younger, more spry, certainly more awake, because it is um, Thursday afternoon. Uh, well, you are assuming I'm not going to have any beers while you guys work at this uh, Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals game if I'm more intelligent now. <laughs> no, you, you tend to sometimes get a little bit more edgy when you've got a little uh, a liquid encouragement. Um, so it is it is. You know, just for the sake of sanity, we're taping this podcast in two parts. Um, so it is currently Thursday afternoon. Um, McMahon, you had game one. Of, oh, what a uh, classic that Conference was. Finals, uh, Wednesday night. Um, it was close for a half. Um, Ish. I will tell you a couple things about that game. One, the, Ma- the Mavs had... 37 three-point attempts in the first half. In the first half, uh, they averaged 39 in the whole second-round series that they had against the Suns. So that wasn't ideal. And Luca, I believe, had a – I'm going to check this up from uh, Hembo. Hembo told me this from Get Up This Morning. Um, uh, Luca's usage rate, I, I just want to – put this um this is just this is one of the crazy stats i've heard the whole time uh, the whole postseason so i've been talking a lot about luca and how this uh, run with the mavs reminds me of uh, the Cavs in 2007 lebron's first deep playoff run when mm-hmm. he may upset the pistons and made the the finals uh luca's and if you remember anything about that series it was lebron and you know Four nice guys, but just four guys. Four nice guys. Luca's usage rate is 25% higher than LeBron's was in 2007. What? In the playoffs. It is LeBron's usage rate was was 30 in that year. Luca is 40. So 10 percentage points, but 25%. Okay. Yeah. That was interesting phrasing. I I got what you're saying now. Okay. Well, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually 33% higher if you're going to do that. So (laughs) 33% Uh, more usage. His usage rate is 40.2, which is down 0.2 from, uh, from last year's playoffs. And I think the really interesting thing about that is they won two out of three games while he sat out. Um, when you know Brunson's usage rate obviously was was through the roof, and I, I think it's more than Luca and four nice guys. But certainly, if you talk about you know everything revolves around one guy, uh, it's the only team. Yeah, yeah, I tell you what, though, man, everything's revolving around Jimmy right now. You know, I was going to say it's the only team left that's like that, but Jimmy's been pretty ball dominant in, in Miami as well. 
Yeah, but they have a they have a lot of different guys who can who can score, and they're really more. They do a lot of things by committee. When they're in trouble, they go to Jimmy. Yeah, the the Mavericks, um, you know, <laughs> go to Luca all the time, and and the the Warriors know this, and they um, Stan Van Gundy, who called the game, had to like the uh, effing wall that the uh, that the Warriors built in Game One um, because that's what they did. You know, another stat that you'll be find interesting. Uh, McMahon in game one, Jalen Brunson had more paint touches when, you know, had the ball in the mm-hmm. paint more than Luca did Luca, you know, Wiggins was really good, but it wasn't just Wiggins. They were, they were, you know, they played box and one for some possessions. They yeah. played zone. They, um, they were determined not to let Luca. And obviously when, and, it, and when it's Wiggins, it's, you know, they're, they're helping hard and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, Luca was six of eighteen. Anytime Luca has more turnovers than buckets, the Mavs are going to get blown out. I think that's, that's a hot take. Yeah, that's not exactly a. Uh, I, I think that's a scientific discovery that I've made. Um, but uh, you know, Luca lives on making tough shots. I didn't. I, I thought that they did a very good job on him. I also thought he just didn't have a a great performance. And the Mavs taking 48 threes, like, the, hey, they're going to play five out most of the game. You know, they, they're trying to generate a lot of threes. Um, I The quality of those threes, in some cases, weren't great. Draymond did. I mean, he did an unbelievable job contesting threes. I think they were 0 of 9 when he contested, including one on Finney Smith that he swatted into the seats. It was just amazing that he was able to get to. Yeah, his the closeout there was pretty impressive. But, like, it's – you know, the Mavericks aren't going to take the ball out of Luca's hands. He's going to have the ball in his hands the vast right. majority of the time. Brunson's right. going to be the secondary guy. You know, when when Dinwiddie's in the game, uh, he'll he'll chip in there. But it it's going to be the Luca show, and the Mavericks are kind of you know th- this playoffs for the Mavericks is kind of a test run of hey, is Luca as a lone star with really nice fitting role players around him? a legitimate path to a consistent contender or do they still need to figure out a way to get a, a bona fide co-star? And, you know, uh, I, I can hear Rick, Rick Brunson grumbling at me. Jalen had 41 and 31 when Luca wasn't playing, you know, he's got a co-star, but you know, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of what, where it is. And Hey, they're also, as Dorian Finney-Smith so eloquently put it, they're, they're kind of playing with church's money here. Nobody expected them <laughs> to be here. Um, now, that doesn't mean they're, they're okay getting their butts kicked by the Warriors. Um, I, I also just <laughs> – I'm not reacting to the Mavericks getting blown out. Get this. Here's an Elias uh, Stats Bureau gym for you. The Mavericks have played in four straight playoff games that have been decided by 25-plus points. Four straight. They're two and two in those games. Yeah. You figure this damn team out. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this: like after now, of course, game two will have happened, and this is this could be um, embarrassing later on. Um, and I don't. We'll see what Bontemps feels like this. But I, I, in talking to some folks around the Celtics after game one, the Celtics obviously weren't happy that they lost, but they didn't think it was uh, desperation time. They thought mm-hmm. they saw some things. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say confident, but. The Celtics were okay after they lost game one. They felt that they had some, um, some things going their direction, especially with uh, two other starters out being around the Mavs uh, Wednesday night. What did you think about their viewpoint of, of their, their position? 
I mean, to sum it up uh, in, in fancy terms, they felt like they played like crap. <laughs> the Warriors played well. They got their butts kicked, and it's one game. Um, they lost game one to the Jazz. They lost one and two to the Suns. They're not like just – Did Luca at any time say everybody talks when, they, when they're when they ahead? Did he, did he <laughs> everybody tough when they're up. Everybody's uh, tough when they're up, did. yeah. Luca did say the scratch on his face um, from Wiggins' fingernail uh, was, was, was fine. He said it makes him look tough. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're not, they're not, they realize, Hey, you know, we've got to figure some things out. We've got to adjust. I also think they've got an extreme level of confidence, not just in, in themselves, but in the coaching staff in, in Jason Kidd, um, and, in Sean Sweeney, their defensive coordinator who, again, you know, let's go back to the sun series after game two, you know, it's, it's point God, Chris Paul, he's absolutely lighting the world on fire. 14. Yeah, that's what you were telling us. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what our eyeballs <laughs> were telling us. I mean, I that's know, what the know, story was and they figured it out and they, you know, they figured out ways to make his life miserable. They figured out ways to, you know, get the ball out of Booker's hands a lot or really make Booker's life tough. And so I think there's confidence, not just that, Hey, you know, the Mavericks are going to play better than this, but that that coaching staff will make smart adjustments and, and uh, you know, that th- this will be a long series. Bontemps, the, the Warriors uh, have won dozens of playoff games, to my memory, that went down exactly like that, where it was close for a little while and then they caught fire, you know, Clay, I don't know how many times Clay has scored zero points and a half, but I've certainly seen games where Clay hasn't played well in a half and then has been mm-hmm. on fire in a half. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, the, the stat is there, I, and now I don't have it off off the top of my head, but thirteen and one or something like that uh, when they go up under Steve Kerr, uh, one maybe it's even maybe it's like nineteen and one when they go up one zero in a series. I don't even I. Maybe I should just botch that. I totally oh, well, well, anyway, well, they're really well, hard the to beat when they is, go up 1-0. Well, they don't lose many series, period, under Steve Kerr. Right. right. Yeah, it's only happened a couple of times. Um, you know, it's happened it's how many actually, times? It's, it's happened it's twice, actually, right? Uh, yeah, it's happened, it happened in the finals twice. That's it so far. Right. Um, so it's something, yeah. it's something in one when they lose game one. It's a lot in one. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think... You know, you can you can boil this game down in a couple of ways, right? One is, like you said, the Mavs are eleven for forty-eight from three, missed a ton of uncontested looks early on, missed a, you know, missed a ton of shots, period, early on. Yeah. By the um, way, if you know, you're a Suns fan, you had to see the Mavs missing all of those open threes and just get sick to your stomach. Yeah. Because <laughs> they didn't miss a lot of open threes uh and against the Suns. So I'm sorry, go ahead, Bunton. No, no, they I mean you're you're 100 percent right. And and look, I think if you if you look at sort of how this game played out, right? The Warriors got a really good Andrew Wiggins game. Uh they had they were able to hit some shots, not a ton of shots. They obviously were incredible uh from two point range in this game. Um, you know, but they still didn't get an amazing Steph performance, you know, like overall I think yeah. Generally, I think both teams come away from it probably feeling okay. Like, I think to your point, sort of like Boston um, from game one, I would agree with you, Brian. I think that the Celtics felt pretty good about how things went in game one. They won three of the four quarters overall. They felt pretty good going into game two. We'll see how that goes. But well, um, we could be setting ourselves up for embarrassment depending on well, how it could the first be. half of the no, squad but, went. Right. Nothing well, we could be. Bon but, well, that, 
I one of us picked Dallas to win against Phoenix. Really? Because uh, I, lo- I looked at the uh, ESPN official predictions and uh, it was twenty nine. By the way, was- you know, can you clarify your your thought process on this bond temp? Several people have been asking me about why you won't pick on the ESPN I, predictions. No, I did. Pick I picked. Twitter. I picked on the ESPN predictions for the conference finals. I didn't for the conference semifinals because I was thinking about my choice, and our editor Jim Merritt was asking for it like three days ahead of time. So okay. I waited and I thought about it, and then I made my pick before the series. Okay, started. so your picks were in our in our grid for the conference finals. Yeah. Okay. I picked Mavs in six and Celtics in six. And, and by the goes. way, by the way, I I ended up being right as I have explained to several Mavericks who were just all up in my bleep about this, <laughs> I changed my prediction at halftime. So I was right. Okay. Dude, Tim Hardaway <laughs> Jr. Who is, he's fully like, this guy is fully emotionally invested. By the way, there's people who do that all the time without irony. So I, I'm not yeah. mad at you. No, we get this Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, and, and he's all in, like he's right there with Theo Pinson, assistant coach, you know, hype man, all that kind of stuff. And he's, he's, he's still mad at me for picking sons and stuff, but he's actually mad at me. So I'm doing the little uh, sports interview on the court, you know, waiting for Brunson to do that. Hardaway walks by me at the end of the game. He goes, take that bleep with your bum ass Stan Smiths. I'm like, oh man, he went went there. I'm like, dude, first of all, like, hold up now. You can talk about my prediction, but like, these are classics that like, you can't insult Stan Smiths. They go with everything. So that's, and I, I tried to like discuss with him a couple of days ago and he had some choice words for me and I was rather offended and I was wearing Nikes at the time and he still wouldn't talk to me. (laughs) <laughs> by the way i found your stat 19 and one series record when they win game one i, under I think i fumbled around that and i think i might have said that at one and, point. and by the way they're 21 and two in game ones under Kerr. so yeah it's also pretty yeah. good yeah. um but yeah look i think the the, the the to sum things up i think you come out of game one both teams feel okay i think to your point mcban dallas certainly is going to feel like they can come back and get game two and make this a series and you know, Golden State didn't play great and won comfortably. So, you know, like in the other series, you walk out of game one and both sides feel like they're they're in pretty good shape, despite the fact it was a lopsided score at the end. The Low Post Podcast brings you some of the best insights into the world of the NBA, hosted by NBA insider Zach Lowe. Playoffs are here and Lowe will be there with what you need to know. Listen to The Low Post wherever you find your podcasts. Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting, of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com 
slash hoop right now. Shopify.com slash hoop. It's always showtime at BetMGM Sports, and you can make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 when you sign up with code HOOP1000. Don't let another game day go by without having the ultimate sports betting app in the palm of your hand. Discover nonstop excitement with BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and dozens of betting options, including live wagers, props, parlays, and much more. No matter what your favorite sport is or how you like to wager, find out why there's nothing like getting a W at the king of sportsbooks. So use code HOOP1000 and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Download the BetMGM app today and sign up. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to enter. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, and Virginia. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE or text HOPE and wide 467-369. In Tennessee, call the red line at 800-889-9789. In Mississippi, call 1-888-777-9696. Sports betting is void where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada. McMahon, uh, why did the Mavericks get, can you, I'm a little bit behind. Why did the Mavericks get fined twice for their bench? What, so what it's funny. That? I, I, I wrote a story on like their bench is, is rowdy, but it's like Theo Pinson, Jake Kidd has jokingly called him the team's MVP, but he actually has been, and this is Theo Pinson, who's on a two-way contract, who I forget the exact number of minutes he played during the season, but it wasn't a lot. Um, obviously, he's ineligible for the playoffs, but as, as Spencer Dinwiddie, who played with him in Brooklyn as well, said, Theo Pinson is the best hype man in the NBA. And he and Hardaway's like right there next to him. Hardaway's kind of like said, okay, hey, I can't play either. Like I'm going to be part of this. And those dudes are on their feet the entire game. They're stepping all over the court. You know, in the points of emphasis video that the uh, NBA sent out, where they hit all the different little points of emphasis, the bench decorum part is a clip of the Mavericks celebrating a, a Reggie Bullock block shot against the Lakers where they're all up on the floor. Um, and so they've just been all up on the floor, you know, for really, they could do it every game, but game two against the Suns, they got fined. That's when they got their butts kicked game seven. They got fined again. And yeah, they're all over the floor, you know, when they're, they're up, they're talking, they're like Theo Pinson is up next to Jay kid near half court. A lot of times, Sean Sweeney's running all over the place, like a, you know, little mad leprechaun. Uh, the, and, you know, screaming out defensive instructions and, and calls and, you know, whatever. Um, but like this team, their vibe the last few years was bad. It was mm-hmm. not, it was like yeah. not a, not a fun team. And I'm telling you, it's Jay kid has, has had a lot to do with this and, and just kind of that breath of fresh air and his approach. And when they, Theo Pinson, they signed on a 10 day hardship deal when during a COVID outbreak, he signed two of those. And they're like, dude, this guy really like is an infectious personality. We, we've got to keep him around. And he's because of Theo, uh, he's cost Cuban 75 grand during his playoffs, <laughs> <laughs> but Cuban's happy to pay it. But it's funny though, because like, you, you know, you go back to when, uh, 
when Lucas signed the Supermax, and if you remember, that press conference was in Slovenia uh, right after the national team's Olympics run. And they basically asked him, like, what, what do you think the Mavericks need? And he said, man, we've got such like this good chemistry and this good, you know, he didn't say vibe, but that, that sort of a thing with the Slovenia national team, that impacts winning. We need that in Dallas. And they've got it. So it's, uh, it's, right. it's, it's uh, expensive, but it's worth it. I well back in the when the uh the Celtics uh the big three got together, this would happen with the Celtics. They would, I mean, th- they were they would go down the baseline, and uh, Eddie House and I believe yes. Eddie House's son, who was always on the Eddie House, <laughs> would be like down on the block helping KG guard on the block. Yeah, and um, uh, so I mean, it has happened before, and and the, and I think the league had to calm the Celtics down, but it is well, they're it's trying just to. They're trying to calm the Mavericks down, and uh, <laughs> Jay Kidd, when when they got the twenty five thousand dollars fine, Jay Kidd basically said the league's worried about the wrong things, like guys cheering for their teammates is what's good about sport, you know, blah blah blah. Last night he goes, he goes, uh, you know, I'm I, who complained? I mean, it was a blowout, so I don't think the fans were upset. <laughs> you know, basically, well, like, hey, the fans the sitting over there, didn't, they didn't want to see. Yeah, I think the. <laughs> the league is trying to rein control in, you know, they've, they've been finding guys for excessive profanity, you know, for the last three, four years, they sure ain't raining in the flopping uh, parades, the flopping and the, and the reviews for the flagrant reviews are flagrant. Um, And, and, and and by the way, the, the flopping that leads to the flagrant reviews, and it's not just flopping. It's let me be sprawled out. And I'll say this old Devin Booker with that Lucas special, you know, he smiled at the fans after <laughs> Finney Smith got the flagrant one and said, that was a Lucas special. Oh, Lucas saw that video, and he he took special joy in ripping the Suns' heart out the next couple of games. Listen, there was grade A low-key trash talk going on. High-key uh, trash no, talk. No, I, 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 nothing low-key about it. Yeah, but that low-key trash talk was was terrific. I, I was here for it, and um, the photo of Luca looking up at Devin, when uh-huh. it's like, I guess it was during a free throw, looking up at him and smiling at him, I mean – I don't know what the context was. I don't exactly know when that was. Uh, yeah, I don't even know which on. game that was. It people it, it went matter. viral after Game Seven. It wasn't Game Seven, but that was going on all series long. Doesn't matter. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I, you know, the Warriors are appropriately favored in this series. Yeah. Um, they should. They're supposed to win. But I would just say, Bontemps Luca has shown if you want to count the Warriors ahead or you want to count the Mavericks out, go ahead. I'm. I'm, uh, you know, and even if they get down 2-0, do I think that the Mavericks will probably beat the Warriors four out of five? No, I don't. I think they can beat the Suns four out of five. So <laughs> keep, you know, whatever you want to say about the Mavericks chances, just keep going. I'm not ruling it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, listen, I picked them to win the series, so I'm not going to rule them out after one game. And certainly, look, I think, you know, to your to your point, you know, the series is going to come down to if it goes the way I, I predicted it would, it'll be because Luca's the best player. Right. Mm-hmm. And in game one, he was not the best player. So in game two, if he's the best player on the court, they got a chance to get this thing one one going back to Dallas. If he has a similar game, if they're able to continue to have a success, pressuring him full court with Andrew Wiggins like they did in game one, if they can continue to wear him down, if Dallas doesn't hit shots, it's probably going to be too well Golden State. Like, you know, that's sort of the way these playoffs have gone. Like he 
while these other guys have stepped up and made plays at times, you know, Spencer didn't win a great game seven. Jalen Brunson's been great throughout the playoffs. You know, Luca's the guy who obviously is going to set the tone and he's got to outplay Steph and be the best player. Well, you know who the, you know, the best player in game one was all-star starter, Andrew (laughs) Wiggins. Hey, he played Luca even in scoring. It was 20 to 19. No, he was, he was great defensively and efficient offensively. And he ate Luca's lunch on both ends. Um, but Lucas, Lucas got a pretty healthy appetite. I, I think he'll bounce back. <laughs> Bontemps, do you think, um, do you think that the Warriors will extend Andrew Wiggins in the summer? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Keeping, I... in mind, keeping in mind the Jordan pool is now extension eligible. <laughs> Steph is on a super, super max. Clay is on a max. Draymond's on a hundred million dollar deal. Yeah. They're, They've got they're they're facing just repeater tax hell. I know they make a lot of money, but they're they're looking at paying, you know, the it's tax. It's a great bill. question. I think I think the, the 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 contract decisions on both he and Poole are gonna be very interesting this summer. Like to me, I think Jordan Poole is a lot like Tyler Hero, and there's gonna be a lot of clamoring to pay the, both those guys a whole lot of money. And I'd be very nervous to pay both of them a whole lot of money because while they're very talented scorers, they've got pretty big flaws. And I think both of them are currently in the roles that best suit them, which is coming off the bench and getting buckets. And to me, there's a ceiling on how much you want to pay those guys. And I think the combination of how much, if they can get an extension with pool done, how much can they get it done for? I think that will help inform what they do with Wiggins. Cause to your point, they, you look at this roster they don't really have a lot of guys that can do the stuff that Andrew Wiggins can do for them. Like they don't have a lot of athleticism on the wing. They don't, they don't have a lot of guys who can mm-hmm. play, you know, he's, he's one of the most durable players in the league. He's it's probably one of his, it's probably his best attribute. The thing he's never really gotten enough credit for. He always plays, he always plays a lot of minutes. This is a team with older injury prone guys. They're going to need him, his minutes and his durability at a position. It's really hard to find just quality players at. So I don't think you want to extend him at 27, but if you could extend him at 20 or well, something, I think they'd be interested next in that. Year, next year is the last year of his contract and he makes 33.6. Yeah. I mean, obviously he will be, he will be in his prime and I'm just telling you historically, you know, asking players who are effective players. And in this case, an all-star. The validity yeah, I, of, the it's validity true. Of I mean, I didn't even think about asking, him being an all-star starter. That's true. I mean, look, asking, it, look at look at the guy they traded him for, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, that guy was absolutely not worth max contract. We talked about that at the time. He got a max contract because he made an all-star game. Like, well, that. I'm just saying, are you going to go no. to Andrew Wiggins and say, Andrew, we think you've done a great job for us. We would love to have you remain with us and be a part of us trying to yeah. win championships. We would like to offer you an eight million dollar pay cut as you are twenty seven years old in your prime. Well, yeah, and I just said twenty. That would be a fourteen million dollar pay cut. So yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I, I if you got to choose between him and Jordan Poole, as crazy it'll probably sound to Warriors fans, I might be choosing Wiggins too. So like that, that is that is going to be a fascinating question to some. Yeah, of the I, that's that's a longer topic. Uh, by the way, Tyler Hero after Game One, will know. I mean, it's now going to be two games. I mean, a whole game old, but. Um, he came to the press conference. You've probably seen the video in a sleeveless matched shirt and top, which generated a lot of reaction. Uh, You got to have some confidence to pull that look off. Here's what you don't even know. Well, he's, he's definitely got that backless. 
what was it like a hospital gown that was tie dyed or I'm, something? I mean, it had, you know, it had like a strap around the neck and a strap around the waist, but his back was exposed like a prom dress, wedding dress, backless. <laughs> and what's ridiculous? I don't even want to know, like, how much did that cost? Oh, I it probably cost an obscene amount of money. To yeah, too, too, too much. The answer there, is too much. <laughs> you can you can um, you can. There's a thing on YouTube. I wish I could give it proper credit, like whose it is, but you can find it where Tyler Hero, um, they put a it was his rookie contract or they're talking about how he spent his first million. And he was sitting at a table with an actual million dollars in U.S. currency on the table in front of him. OK, and he started talking about what he spent his money on. He's like, yeah, I spent. You know, fifty thousand. You know, one hundred and twenty-five thousand on a whip, and he pulled off one hundred twenty-five thousand. You know, uh-huh. chunk. And I spent, you know, twenty thousand on this, and I spent blah blah blah. And then he's like, "Yeah," and I spent. I don't know. I'm going to get the numbers wrong because I'm up top of my head. But he started talking about some store that he likes that <laughs> I've never heard of. It's probably super popular, and he's like, and he took off a very large piece of this million-dollar <laughs> pile about about for fashion you know what am who am, who am i to to criticize i'm just saying the man wore a backless <laughs> outfit out into the miami night and by the way so it was hilarious you know bam rolling his sleeves up and all that if i look like bam out of bio i would never wear a shirt unless it was like the no shirt no shoes policy <laughs> yes. was in fact let me just say that after hero flexed and then bam decided <laughs> like obviously Tyler hero is a professional athlete in tremendous physical condition. He looked like an absolute wimp. He looked like a, a, a runt when, when bam flexed his arm, yes. I mean, obviously I'm aware that bam is muscular, but when he actually flexed it, like right next to Tyler hero, it was like, Oh my God, it was, it was <laughs> very intimidating. I'm going to tell you right now it was, let's put it this way. Uh... I was more intimidated by the by the bam flex than i was by the tyler hero backless outfit <laughs> um, meanwhile jimmy butler came in at the end and he's wearing sweats and like you know flip-flops and uh you know he's worth you know 150 million dollars all right um before we go i don't know if this will i don't know how fast this is going to happen after how this fastest decision is going to take place we had some interesting news that came out the initial report was from the athletic that the minnesota timberwolves um are trying to poach Tim Connolly, the president of the Nuggets, away to, to run the Wolves organization. Um, this had been, um, I, I don't know, Bontemps, would you say it was an open secret in the league or is that too? Uh, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know if open secret is the, exactly right, but it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. Right. So I think the news part of it was that Connolly actually, there had been permission asked and that Connolly was legitimately considering it. But it had been just been sort of chattered about in league circles for the last, you know, I don't know, period of weeks about how Minnesota was going big game hunting to replace uh, really hire somebody over Sasha and Gupta who um, stepped in for Gerson Rosas. Um, it's possible that Sasha will stay there if Connolly takes the job or not. But before we get into all that, just the concept that Tim Connolly, A, would consider leaving the Denver Nuggets. And then B, the possibility of the Denver Nuggets letting him leave. And I have no idea what's in the offer. I mean, there's some rumors out there about what's in the offer, but I don't want to get into that. Um, and I'm not even sure that Denver would really be in, even in position to match. But, you know, Denver, obviously, you know, Stan Kroenke, who is, he was the over, he's the owner of Kroenke Sports Enterprises, which owns the Nuggets. 
Josh Kroenke is, is the team's governor. He is the, the team's quote-unquote owner, but it is really Stan Kroenke who would be heavily involved in decisions like this. He owns the LA Rams. He owns Arsenal. He owns you know, lacrosse teams, and he owns the Avalanche. He has a whole portfolio. He owns the stadium, and he owns the uh, ball arena. He owns the new stadium, SoFi Stadium. Doesn't he own that, uh, that TV channel that nobody can get? He owns a TV channel, which is preventing his team from being, I mean, if you want to know how, I don't know, I don't know if hard headed is the right word, but if you want to know how unrelenting of a negotiator Stan Kroenke is, he's basically kept his team off the airwaves in Denver for three years or two, two plus seasons uh, in a dispute, you know, that um, nobody's won. Yeah, He's such a good negotiator that his team's a, a, a very good team with a two-time MVP. Their TV ratings look like Bontemps GPA. Great oh, negotiator. We're talking about GPA ratings. Yours is a hell of a lot lower than mine. I don't even need to get into a debate about that. Oh, somebody, this is like a Nick Saban, uh, Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> oh, little, say uh, it in, no, this ain't a Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher thing. McMahon, McMahon likes to make jokes. There's one thing you can't make jokes about, which is the GPA <laughs> ratings. Oh, are I you prepared barely, to release your transcripts? I, uh, I, I feel pretty no, good about winning no, this one. No, yeah. no. My, 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 my daughters <laughs> once found my transcripts. Um, not surprisingly, after my ex-wife found them, um, <laughs> <laughs> one one of the classes that I failed was Asian politics. Uh, my ex-wife is is Thai, so my daughters are half Thai, and as my older daughter said, "No wonder you and mom got a divorce." <laughs> <laughs> Tim's daughters definitely definitely have higher GPAs than their dad. That's that that, that is them. definitely that is one hundred percent true. <laughs> but back to Cronky, my point is like. Hard-headed, yeah, I would say hard-headed to the point of, you know, to where it hurts his team. And if you're going to be this hard-headed on this, I think it's another situation where you're, okay, great, you're winning the negotiations. Are you? Not If, if, you're, if it's hurting your team, you're not winning negotiations. Well, and remember, it was, you know, I guess it was 10 years ago that Masai Jerry left. Denver mm-hmm. and went to Toronto in a similar situation when, you know, Toronto came in with a big offer and Denver said, that's fine. We'll let you go. And they right after he had, I think he had won executive of the year and George Carl had won coach of the year. I believe it was the same year. Um, and then George Carl got fired and uh, Tim Connolly came in to run the team. Then he was Messiah's number two. He stepped into the number one job has done a great job since then. Um you know, so perhaps in this situation, Stan Kroenke will look at it and say, you know, Stan and Josh Kroenke, I think Josh is the principal guy day to day in charge of Denver at this point. Um, they may look at it and say, hey, we can do the same thing again. We'll promote up and we'll you know, promote Calvin Booth, who's their current number two, I believe, up to the number one job and roll forward from there. But, you know, to your point, McMahon, it's like just because it worked last time doesn't mean it's going to work again. And after all the work that Tim Connolly's done over the last nine, 10 years, drafted Jamal Murray, drafted Nicole Jokic, putting this team together, um, which while they haven't been healthy the last couple of years, they're going to come back next year. In theory, they'll have their whole roster together. They got a chance, I think, to be a Western Conference finalist again, if not go farther. Um, they certainly hope to anyway. It, it'd certainly be interesting timing if they decide that the guy who put that together isn't worth keeping around. Then again, the Cronkies are saying, well, damn, we got to pay Porter this max contract. We can't afford you too now. <laughs> can you guys hear me okay? We can. Okay. Unfortunately. Sorry. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, on one hand, you would say, well, we replaced Masai Ujiri with an excellent executive. Uh, well, if Tim Connolly is, we'll just replace you. But, you know, I'm more interested in, you know, if you're Tim Connolly to leave a team where he has a great relationship with the head coach, he has a great relationship with um, with the the owner. He and Josh Kroenke have a great relationship. I think he's on the. I shouldn't even think that. I think he's on the board of Kroenke Sports Enterprises. He also he also has a great he also has a great relationship with his superstar center who has already agreed to mm-hmm. sign a supermax extension this summer and who he went to Serbia to celebrate the MVP with a few weeks. Right. I, I hadn't even uh, got into that. He's got a uh, you know a tw- how old is Jokic? Twenty six. Yeah, and it's somewhere in his prime, 26, 27. And and has is ready to sign up probably with no opt-out. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I just shouldn't assume that, but <laughs> ready to like instantaneous, like, yeah, I'm also I'll extend, no problem. Um, to go to an ownership that is unproven. Um Lori and A-Rod haven't Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez hadn't even closed on the team yet. They mm-hmm. to my knowledge, they've only they only 25%. They gotta like go through the thing, have no history. And the team has upward mobility, but not as upward mobility as much as the Nuggets do. Um, to leave that situation, um, it must be a hell of an offer to even get him considerate. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, one thing that, that Mark Laurie, the new owner, really wanted is he wanted uh, to find a, a major, an executive that is proven that he could basically pluck from somewhere. And they did their research. And, you know, you're not plucking um, R.C. Buford. You know, uh, he's many people have tried. You're not, uh, you know, probably not plucking Sam Presti, who's one of of the uh, most tenured and highest paid executives in the league and a long term contract in Oklahoma City. You're not plucking Pat Riley. okay? but his research found that you could maybe pluck Tim Connolly. And uh, just like with the. with the uh, the TV deal, you've got the Nuggets maybe not thinking long term, or maybe they think too long term. But I don't know. But I, you know, it, it it's it's it would be strange to me that that situation is happening. And if Jokic was another player, like think of think of Giannis, if you know, if all of a sudden they were allowing like top talent to leave the organization, mm-hmm. you think Giannis would have been so happy to resign? Like, I don't know, man. I mean, if, if I were Jokic and I believed in Tim Connolly, I would be like, look, I'm not signing until I, until I know he's, until I know he's secured because he's drafted terrifically. Um, Connolly has, and I know if I was Jokic, I would know that he would be able to continue drafting well for it to to build around me. You didn't let me give my little nuggets and jazz joke in there. We should stop there. That's a good (laughs) way to end. Should probably just end the podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. Uh, we, we will reposition uh, over the weekend and speak to you next week. Adios, amigos.